Ephesians chapter 4. Let's read our passage for this morning. Follow as I read verses 17 through 24. Ephesians chapter 4, 17 through 24. Starting in verse 17, Paul writes this, So this I say, and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer, just as the Gentiles also walk, in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you, you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Here's a couple of review questions uh, to, uh, to make sure that, that you guys are following. We're on the same page this morning since this is part two of what we started last Sunday. What's the main command in verses 17 through 24? Maybe you even caught it when I emphasized it, when I read it. If you can pick one command, there are a lot of commands, like we looked at last, uh, last Sunday, but, it, but if you pick one command that governs all of those little commands under it, um, what would it be? Let's see. Who raised it? Nicholas. Yeah, no longer walk, right? Where is that? In verse 17. Okay, so if you're an underliner, um, highlighter, there it is. Walk no longer. Okay, that, that is a command. That's not the only command, as we will see, but that is the main command, okay, of verses 17 through 24. Walk no longer, just as the Gentiles also walk. Here's the next question. What is Paul referring to when he says walk? Because if you look at chapter 4, verse 1, he said it there too, walk. Chapter 5, verse 2, he'll say it again, walk. Chapter 5, verse, where is it, 15, be careful how you walk. So he uses that word, that command, several times. What does it mean by that? Yes, go ahead. Lifestyle. Okay, lifestyle, what else? Lifestyle, yes. What's that? How you do something. Any other definition? You can say behavior, right? Behavior, um, lifestyle, how you do something, what you do. The, work, uh, the, the word walk is a metaphor to living. It's a, it's a, it's a metaphor for living. It, it, he's talking about, Paul's talking about the way we live, uh, our lifestyle, the way we behave, what we do, how we do it. 
all, all of those things. So last Sunday, we started looking at the two steady steps of the Christian walk. Again, the main, the main theme is walking. It's not physical walk, but, it, but it's how we behave, how we live our life, the lifestyle of a Christian, okay? Um, what, what a Christian does, and there are two steps in verses 17 through 24. Last Sunday, we looked at the first one. Um, the first one was forsake your old life of sin, so that's the first step. Okay, as a Christian, you forsake your old life of sin. Look at verse 17. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer, just as the Gentiles also walk. Paul's command here is very clear, students. If you call yourself a Christian, okay, if you profess faith, okay, if you say that you're saved, all right, you're to stop living like you used to. If you're asking, like, yesterday? No, when you used to be an unbeliever, okay, before God saved you. Whatever that walk was, whatever that lifestyle was, whatever that behavior was, Paul says, no longer walk that way. Okay, that's your old life of sin. You need to forsake it. And then Paul reminded us of what our old life of sin was like. Okay, look at verse 17. Number one, our old sin, our old life of sin um, was, uh, was so bad that our mind was vain. Okay, that was the first sub-point we looked at last Sunday that we are to forsake. Your, your mind was vain. Verse 17, so this I say, affirm together with the Lord, walk no longer like you used to, walk no longer like an unbeliever. Look at the description of the life of an unbeliever, the old life of sin of, of a Christian, in the futility of their mind. So it starts in the mind, being darkened in their understanding. As an unbeliever, you didn't think, you didn't think about God. Uh, you didn't want to think about spiritual things as an unbeliever. As an unbeliever, all you wanted to think about, all, all you wanted to, to put, your, put, put into your mind was worldly, vain, meaningless, useless things. That's the mind, that's the mindset, that's the thinking of an unbeliever. So Paul says, that's the old you. If you're a Christian today, you used to think that way. Just vain stuff, like clothes and video games, meaningless stuff, like what am, what am I going to eat? You know? not, that, not, that it's not, not that it's sinful to think about those things, but as an unbeliever, that's all you thought about. God stuff, spiritual stuff, biblical stuff. No, only if my parents force me, then yeah, I might think about those things. But, but as an unbeliever, that was your mindset, Paul says. Why? Because your understanding was darkened. Your mind was vain. Your mind was useless. Your mind was meaningless. Why? Because Paul says at the end of verse 17, your understanding, the, the, the proce your processing uh, uh, thinking, the way you understood things was darkened, he said. So your mind was vain, number two. We looked at this last Sunday. Your heart was hardened, so it gets worse. Not only was your mind was vain, but your heart was hardened. Verse 18, as an unbeliever, your old life of sin, you were excluded from the life of God. What does that mean? That means that you didn't have the eternal life that God would give to those people who he was saving, Christians. So you didn't get that. You didn't receive that. Why? Because of the ignorance that was in you, 
because of the hardness of your heart. So even though you grew up in a Christian home, even though you knew the gospel, even though you knew God facts and Jesus facts growing up from your Christian parents, you still rejected God. You still did not believe the gospel. Why? Because of the hardness of your heart. What does that mean? You were spiritually dead. If your spiritual heart was hardened, that means you're spiritually dead. Since you were spiritually dead, why would you want to accept God? Why would you want to believe in the gospel? You wouldn't do that. That's why you were excluded from the life of God. Number three, here's, this, here's the third description that we looked at last Sunday about the life of an unbeliever. Your behavior was wicked. So it started in the mind, okay, vain, just, but, uh, just vain stuff you thought about. And then your heart was so hard that you couldn't and you wouldn't want to think, you, you wouldn't and couldn't obey God. You rejected him. And then now, number three, your behavior was wicked, verse 19. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. Remember that, that word greediness, a lot of translations translate it literally, which says, I want more. Wanting more is the word. So as an unbeliever, you were morally callous. Okay, feel your calluses on your hands, right? Um, you, that was you spiritually. Is it sensitive or insensitive, that part of your body would callous? Insensitive, right? You were exposed to sin, and what did you do? You started experimenting with sin. And then what happened? You were building that moral callous. And then as a result, you were insensitive to sin. That's why Paul says your life as an unbeliever uh, is described this way. You were given over. You gave yourself over to all kinds of sin. All kinds of sin. You gave yourself over to the power and control of sin. So students, that's the life of an unbeliever. Okay, like I said last Sunday, if that's your life right now, then you are still an unbeliever. Okay, but if you're a Christian today, that's the old you. That's the old life. And Paul says, here's the first step in the Christian walk. Okay, lifestyle, behavior, the way you live, you forsake that old life. You, for, you forsake that old life. The way that you used to think in your mind, the way that your heart was so hard uh, towards God and how wicked your behavior was, all the, the wicked things that you hid from your parents and from your friends, that's the old life. You forsake that, he said. So today we're going to look at the second step of the Christian walk. So forsake your old life of sin. Here's the second step, fulfill, fulfill your new life in Christ. Fulfill your new life in Christ. So it's just the opposite of the first one. Again, if you're thinking about the analogy of walking, right, you're just taking one step at a time, forsaking, fulfilling, forsaking, fulfilling. Every day you're thinking about, okay, the old life, I need to forsake that. And I also need to fulfill my new life. Look at verse 20. But you did not learn Christ in this way. But you did not learn Christ in this way. This is the opposite of the first half. Okay, Paul's saying that 
if you're a Christian, you didn't learn Christ, which is really a reference to learning Christ would be a reference to knowing Christ, knowing who he is and knowing what he's done for you so that you would be saved. Okay, that's, that's the reference here. You did not learn Christ. You did not come to know Christ unto salvation by pursuing and practicing the sins that Paul just, just showed us in verses 17 through, um, through 19. He's saying, you didn't learn Christ that way. The old life of sin, the pursuing of sin, the practicing of sin, the mind that was vain, the heart that was hard, the behavior that was wicked, that, that old life, that's not how you learned Christ. That's not how you came to know him so that you would be saved. That's, now, that's not how it happened. Well, so the question is, how did you learn Christ? Okay, how did you come to know him as your Lord and Savior so that you would be saved? Well, he tells us in the next verse, look at verse 21. This is how you learned Christ. This is how you became a Christian. If indeed you have heard him, so step number one, and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus. So notice those two things that were, that were necessary for you to learn Christ and to be saved. First, you heard about Jesus. Okay, That's a reference to the gospel. Okay, uh, Before you guys got saved, before, before you became a Christian, God gave you the gospel message. Whether, whether uh, through your parents, maybe, maybe God used your parents to, to give you the gospel message, or uh, leaders, or uh, a book, or uh, just your Bible reading, whatever the means that God chose, it was God who gave you the gospel message, and you heard. Okay, you heard the gospel message, and then God gave you the ability and the desire to respond to the gospel message. So you heard it, you responded to it in faith and repentance, and then God saved you. So Paul's saying, that's how you learned Christ. You heard about Jesus, you heard about the gospel. And secondly, you were taught in Jesus. So you heard about Jesus, and you were taught in Jesus. This is talking about all the biblical teaching in the Bible that you can think of. Okay, after you heard the gospel, God saved you. After God saved you, you're now a Christian. So now you're on this journey of learning. Okay, a disciple of Jesus, a follower and a learner of Jesus. So you're now learning all these things from the Bible. So God, God put you in a Christian home. You're learning there. God put you in a solid church here. So you're learning here. You're learning all these biblical teachings so that you can grow in your faith. So Paul says that's how you learn Jesus Christ. Not in the pursuit and in the practice of sin. That's the old life. That's the old life. You as a Christian is now different. You learn, you heard about Jesus, now you're learning. You're learning about the teachings of Jesus. So, so far you can, you can follow Paul's um, uh, teaching here. So if you're, if you're sitting there, you're saying, okay, I, so, okay, so I'm a Christian. I learned Christ. Not, not in the old life of sin. I'm to forsake that. That's not how I came to know Christ. I learned Christ because I heard about the gospel and I responded to it and now I'm learning. I'm a Christian and I'm learning. So now the question for me is, what am I supposed to learn? Right? What do I learn? Paul says, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him just as truth is in Jesus. So, so, 
What do I need to be taught as a Christian? Well, Paul answers that question, okay, in verses 20 through 24. And, and this is where we, we're going to get the, the sub-points under that point, fulfill your new life in Christ. This is how you fulfill your new life in Christ. These are the things that you need to learn as a Christian or as a young Christian. There are three of them, and they come in the form of commands, three commands. Look at your Bible. So look at verse 22. We, um, 22, 23, and 24, guess how many commands we'll find? That's why we have how many sub Where's the first command? Verse 22, what, what is it? Other than Nicholas, what is it? Yes. To put off the old self, so first command, second command, where is it? I'll just call on somebody. Um, Haven, where's the second command? So if the first command was in verse 22, where's the second command? What's that? 23. Uh, can you guess what, is, what that command is in verse 23? Yes, to be renewed, to be renewed. All right, the third command, I mean, we only have one verse left. Where is it? Verse 24, right? Um, Pookie, what is the command there in verse 24? Put on the new self. So you take all those little mini commands. They, those are the things that you need to be taught, that you need to learn as a Christian so that you can fulfill your new life in Christ, which is a part of walking as a Christian. Again, behavior, lifestyle. Okay? So let's look at those one at a time. The first one is to put off the old self. Put off the old self. Uh, if you're looking at the, the fill in the blanks there, put off the old self. Verse 22, that in reference to your former manner of life, your old life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit. This, is, uh, this word here, lay aside, it's, uh, it's the word for taking dirty clothes off, laying them aside, and to never put them back on. Okay, if you want a, if you want a picture of this, it's a, it's a strong command. You lay aside your old self, which is your old you, the non-Christian you, uh, before God saved you, all the things that you used to do, the lifestyle, the behavior that you used to live in, that's the old self, that's the former manner of life, the way you used to live and behave as an unbeliever. You're to treat that like dirty clothes. A lot of you know that I used to work in dermatology, and I got really dirty in dermatology. For those of you who didn't know, you're, you, if you're new here, um, that was uh, one of my many careers before I became a pastor. And we would wear scrubs all the time, right? And in dermatology, you, you uh, got dirty a lot because you're dealing with blood, you're dealing with pus, you're dealing with all kinds of stuff that comes out of the body. Um, anything on the skin that you can squeeze, something will come out. Anything on the skin that you cut, Blood will come out, so it would get all, all over my scrubs, 
So I, al I always had an extra pair of scrubs in at work because I'm not going to wash that and, you know, clean it and put it back on. Why, why would you do that, right? It's dirty. It's filthy. You're talking about blood, pus, all kinds of stuff. No, you, you're not washing that. You're not washing that. Uh, when I was a firefighter, I remember we, uh, we, we went to this uh, mobile home, and uh, the, the woman who lived there, she'd been, she'd been in the couch for a really long time. And she couldn't get off the couch because she was large. So when we helped her get out of the couch, a bunch of stuff um, got on my uniform. Thankfully, I kept extra uniform at the fire station because I'm not washing that, right? There's no way I'm washing that and pretend that it's clean and put it back on. No, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't do that, okay? Um, it's different, you know, if you're, an, if you're a teenager. Uh, you'd wash things. Maybe, hopefully, you'd wash things and rewear them, but, but that's, not, that's not the idea here. The idea here is to treat your old life. Okay, what's the old life? Mind that's vain, just vanity. Heart that was hard, didn't want anything to do with God or the truth, okay? Behavior that was wicked, that's the old you, that's the old life. You treat that like dirty clothes, you don't wash that, you don't go back to it, you don't put it back on. That's why Paul says you lay that all aside. You take it off, you trash it, it's gone. So that's what Paul's talking about here. If you're a Christian, God saved you from all that. The way you used to think, the, the way your heart would respond to things, the way you behaved and acted back then, God saved you from all that. That's the old self. That's not you anymore. So you be done with it. You don't go back to it. You put it off. You lay it aside. So that's number one. Here's number two. You need to renew, what do you guys think? Renew what? To put off the old self, number one. Number two, renew your mind. Renew your mind. Okay, I'm going to spend a little extra time here because, uh, because I, know, I know that there are a lot of things that, that take place in your mind that, that only you and God know. And I know that in, with your devices... It's not renewing your mind. And I know in the privacy of your bedroom, you're, you're not really renewing your mind. And when you go to school, when you go to work, when you go anywhere else out in the world, those things are not helping you to renew your mind. Okay, so look at verse 23. In that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Okay, so the target is the mind and the action, the command is to be renewed. Okay, to to have your mind renewed really is the, the sense here. To have your mind renewed. The word here is uh, transformation. It's, uh, it's to make something completely new. It's like, go, it's like buying a, an old house, okay? If, uh, if your parents are in this business of, of uh, flipping houses, right, fixer-uppers, you buy an old house, and then what do you do? You go in there, and you gut it all out, right? You take all the old stuff out, and then you transform it. You renew it, right? And then, and then you look at it, the before and after picture, you're like, wow, it's a brand new home, right? That's the idea here. And notice what Paul's commanding us to renew, the spirit of your mind. We're to renew our minds. Just, just think about the way you think, 
the way you understand, the way you process things, and the way you make decisions. Okay, it's, it's, it's really broad, the mind. Okay? The way you think, the way you understand things, the way you process things, and the way you make decisions. Okay? So that's the thing about you as a Christian that needs to be renewed. Now, the question is, what's going to renew that? Right? Because notice the command, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. He's not saying renew your mind. He's saying your mind, yeah, have it renewed. So the question is, what is going to renew my mind? What do you guys think is the answer? Paul doesn't give us the answer here, but the Bible's clear what renews the mind. What do you guys think? Google? Minecraft? Food? Sleep? Cleaning? Organizing? Working out? What renews the mind, students? Yes, Rachel. Yeah, focusing on Christ, specifically His Word. Okay? The Word. God's Word, Scripture, the Bible, the book in front of you, this. Okay, students? This. Not, not binge-watching, not eating, not relaxing, not going on vacation, not buying more toys, not buying the clothes that you want, not drawing, not running. No, those things do not renew the mind of a Christian. This renews the mind of a Christian. If you're a Christian, Paul's, gonna, Paul's commanding you, have your mind renewed by the Word of God. Again, he doesn't say it here, but you can read other passages like, like Romans 12, 1 Corinthians. It's God's Word that renews the mind. Then now the next question is, okay, if you're, if you're following me here, the next question is, okay, uh, the command for me is to have my mind renewed because, because that's hard for me to do on my own. The world outside, they're not going to help me. Uh, the device... The devices that I have, those things are going to do the opposite. So it's God's word that's going to renew my mind. How do I let it do that? How do I do that? How do I let this renew my mind as a Christian? Well, let me give you some practical ways. Okay, let me give you. If if you're looking at your your handout, there's seven. Okay, I had I had like ten, but then I was looking at at the time, and I was looking at my nice little handout. You know, it wouldn't fit, so like, shrink it down. Um, so seven. Seven practical ways that you can have God's word renew your mind. Again, again, that is the goal for the Christian. What are you going to do so that God's word will renew your mind? Okay? Here's, a, here's the first practical tip. Number one, you start your day with, what do you guys think? Yes, in the back. Prayer. You start, you start your day with a prayer. You, just, you guys just have to admit right away. We just have to admit right away. Even Christians, we have to admit right away that none of us wake up, at least consistently, wake up every single morning already thinking about spiritual things and already ready to expose our mind to God's Word. You just have to admit that that doesn't happen all the time. That's probably, that's probably more rare than, than, than normal. You just have to admit that. Even if you're a Christian, you don't wake up 
wanting to be exposed to God's word, already thinking about spiritual things. So start your day with a prayer, asking God that, that he would help you to desire his word, that he would give you the attention and the discipline to be in his word, and that he would send his Holy Spirit so that you, your mind would be renewed. So that's the first step. Here's the second step. Control things that, what do you guys think? Distract. Control things that distract. And there are a lot of things that distract us from being exposed to God's Word and thinking about spiritual things. And if you think about it, most of them are not what? Sinful. Okay, they're not sinful. What things distract you from being in God's word? Give me some examples that are not sinful. If it's sinful, that's like the dirty gar- garment, right? You're back in, in point number one. You put that aside. Yes. School. Okay, how, do, how does that distract you from being exposed to God's word, which renews your mind? Yeah, so was it school that you need, that, that's distracting you, that you need controlling of? Time management, yeah. Yeah, but school can, can be in a way. What else? Other examples for you guys? I think all of us should have answers, right, because we get distracted from God's word. What else? Other examples? Yes, Ryan. Work, how? Yeah. So, what do you control? Do you control work? You a little bit, but what's the main? What's the main thing that that distracting you that you need controlling? Sleep. Yeah. Or what happened the night before? You slept. That happened before you woke up that happened before the work yeah other other examples things that distract us yeah phones yeah how does that distract us she's probably talking about her roommate but that's okay (laughs) the kids the kids no i'm just kidding Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, phones can do that. So, a lot of the things that distract us from being exposed to God's word are not sinful, but but students, you need to control those things. Okay? They're either controlling you, that's why you're not in the word and you're not thinking about spiritual things, or you're controlling them. Okay, here's the third one. Make Bible reading a habit. Make Bible reading a habit. And I like that word, a habit, because the Bible never commands us to read our Bible, pray every day, and we grow, grow, grow. 
There are a lot of people who read their Bible and pray every day, and they don't grow. A lot of them are not Christians, sadly. Why? Because what God is after is an, an appetite. It's not just check your reading plan and your prayer plan every day. No, it's an appetite that God wants from a Christian. And you won't get an appetite unless you make it a habit. So make Bible reading a habit. Is Bible reading hard, students? Yeah, very hard. But guess what? Do you think it's going to get easier the older you get? No, it's just going to get harder. Talk to your leaders. It's going to get harder. So if you don't make it a habit now, if you don't have an appetite for it now, you're fooling yourself if you're thinking, yeah, if I, if I get older, it's going to be a lot easier. No. No, it's, you're already behind if you're thinking that way, so you discipline yourself now. Why, why do you neglect Bible reading? Who here neglects Bible reading from time to time? Wow. Some are really perfect at that. Okay. <laughs> we, we neglect Bible reading from time to time. Why do we do that? Why do you do that? Why do you neglect Bible reading from time to time? Yes, Miss Julie. Yeah, you don't have the right priority. Yeah, any other answers to that? Yeah. You wake up too late. You wake up too late. You know why we neglect Bible reading? Because we don't have the desire. Right? If you, if you want to get to the bottom of it, because you, we don't have the desire. You don't want to, really. It's not because you woke up late. Right? It's because you didn't want to go to bed early so that you could wake up early so that you could want to be in God's Word. It's really a lack of desire. If you want to, you will do it. Even if, even if, you, have, if you have to work at 5 o'clock, if you want to, you will do it. The reason why we don't is because we lack the desire. And students, I want you to think about this. I want you to remember this. There are only two reasons why we lack the desire to be in God's Word. Number one, you're either not a Christian. Why would you have the desire if you're not a Christian? I'm sure you guys have unbelieving friends and coworkers, right? If they, if they tell you, yeah, I sleep in until 10 o'clock, and then I go straight to my video games. That wouldn't surprise you. You wouldn't say, oh, you don't desire to be in the Bible? No. Why would, why, why would that surprise you? They're an unbeliever. Right? So that's reason number one. If you don't desire to be in God's Word so that you can have an appetite for it, so that you can make it a habit, so that it would renew your mind, if you don't have that, then you're probably not a Christian. Okay? Here's the second reason why we lack the desire. is that because there is a competition. There's something else or someone else that's competing for that desire. You, you're going to do what you want to do. I'm going to do what I want to do, right? And whatever, whatever that thing is or that person is, if that is the priority, like you, like you guys mentioned already, then that is the competition, and that competition is winning. Okay? And listen to this. God is what kind of God? The Bible says jealous. He doesn't like competition. And if you keep doing that, 
Okay? He is going to take away whatever that thing is, whatever that person is. And then you will learn the hard way that, okay, that was an idol. The reason why God took it away, even though it wasn't a sinful thing, was because it was competing against my desire to be in God's Word. Okay? Remember that. Those are the only two reasons why we don't desire God's Word. It's either you're not a Christian or there's a competition, and the competition is winning. It's not really about works, not really about sleeps, not really about all those things. Those are just secondary um, things, but it starts with a desire. Okay? It starts with a desire. If I tell you guys, I love my wife, really love my wife, and then, you know, you get to know me, right? And then every, every Sunday you see me, you ask me what I did that week, right? And I started to sound like a single guy. You know, yeah, my week was great. I went golfing uh, three times this week. Uh, and then I worked. I worked overtime. Love overtime work. Um, gets me out of the house. And, uh, yeah, le- yesterday uh, I decided, you know, to call my buddies and we uh, played video games. or we, sh- you know, went basketball till midnight. Uh, I'm so glad I'm here. Are you going to start doubting that I love my wife? Yeah. Why? Because I don't have the desire to spend time with her. What if I keep telling you, no, man, you're wrong. I love my wife. And another week of no time with the wife, no desire, no appetite with the wife. Are you going to believe me that I love my wife? No. It's the same thing. Okay? It's the same thing when it comes to exposing your mind to God's word. Okay? You can say you're a Christian, but if you don't expose your time to God's Word because you don't want to have time with God, it doesn't matter what you say. Okay? It doesn't, ma- it doesn't matter what you say. You're, you're in question. Do you really love God? So, make Bible reading a habit. Here's, here's the fourth one. Study certain biblical topics. Study certain biblical topics. As a Christian, your goal isn't just to read the Bible in one year, okay? It's not, it's not just to read the Bible in two years. It's not just to read one chapter of Proverbs a day, okay? Uh, that, that's a good goal, but the, but the goal is to understand the Bible, okay? So it's, it's to understand the Bible. So whatever sin you're struggling with, guess what? The Bible speaks about that sin, so you search the Bible, if you don't understand a doctrine or a teaching or a theology, guess what? The Bible talks about that, so you search the Bible, okay? Um, if you don't understand something, whatever it may be, you search the Bible. It's not just, I read one chapter, it's to understand the Bible. And guess what you want to understand? The things that you don't understand, okay? Things that you struggle with. Number one, your sin. I'm I'm. I've been angry lately. Guess what? Look up all the passages that talk about anger. I'm struggling with my phone. I'm struggling with this, right? Um, I'm struggling with friends. You know, I think I'm the third wheel. You know, okay, so look up all the Proverbs, all the passages that talk about friendships. Here's another one. Apply what you're learning. Apply what you're learning. As a Christian, your ultimate goal is to apply what you're learning doesn't matter how much you know, how much Bible you know. If you just know and you're not applying, your, it's a proof that your mind's not being renewed. It's a proud mind. It's not a renewed mind. 
Here's the next one. Avoid worldly-minded people. Avoid worldly-minded people. Your friends or acquaintances, co-workers, people out there, your, your social media friends who are worldly, they're unbelievers, they only think about vain, meaningless, useless things, guess what? They're not going to help you in mind renewal. They're not going to ask you to expose your mind to God's Word so that your mind would be renewed. They're not going to do that. They're actually going to do the opposite. They're going to put filth in your mind. That's what they're going to do. It doesn't matter how cute they are. It doesn't matter how nice they are. Okay, you avoid worldly-minded people. And lastly, you find spiritually-minded friends. You find spiritually-minded friends. So you can tell someone is spiritually-minded if their thoughts, if their words, if their actions are all about pleasing God. That's not really how much Bible they know. Okay, it's how they apply it. And you're going to notice in the way that they share their thinking process, you're going to notice in the way that they talk, you're going to notice in the way they behave that they are spiritually minded friends. And you surround yourself with those friends. Those are the friends you invite over. Those are the friends you talk to. Yeah, you might talk about, you know, Pinterest and sports and, you know, your favorite music, but that friend always brings it back. Hey, so how, is, how are you doing spiritually? How's your Bible reading? How can I be praying for you? Those friends are spiritually minded friends. And you'll notice also, the more you're around those kinds of friends, they, they'll do th two things to you. They will both convict you because they love God's word and you don't, right? And they'll encourage you because, because they are your most solid friends and they're going to hold you accountable. Those are the friends you need to pursue. Again, it's God's word, students. It's God's word that renews the mind, and exposure to God's word is the goal. Okay, so you follow those, those practical ways to think it will be helpful uh, to, to be able to obey this command here. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Lastly, number three, put on the new self. Put on the new self. This is verse 24, put on the new self. So put off the old self and then renew your mind by exposing it to God's word. And lastly, you are to put on the new self, verse 24. And put on the new self, and then he describes what that new self is, which in the likeness of God has been created in two things, righteousness and holiness of the truth. You're now like God, Paul says, as a Christian, when God saved you, you're, you're created, you're made in the likeness of God. You now resemble your heavenly father. Okay, you, if you're a Christian, you're a child of God. If you're a child of God, you're becoming like your heavenly father. So Paul says, you're now in the, like, in the likeness of God. And then he adds this, this new you, this new self, this, this Christian person that you are now has been created in two things, in righteousness and holiness. Okay, back, back to the, the, the clothing analogy. It still is the clothing analogy because he says put on, right? So you put off the old, dir dirty, filthy, old life of sin. Now you're putting this on. You're putting on, you're putting on the new you, the new self. So if you're thinking of, of that, think of two main uh, clothing materials or, or wardrobe. Right? So you have first righteousness, and second is what? 
holiness. Those are the two garments you can say that you're always putting on. Righteousness and holiness. So clothing, clothing number one is righteousness, Paul says. Instead of pursuing the wrong things, you pursue the right things. Okay, if you want to simplify righteousness, sounds like a big word. You just think of right, right things. So you start thinking about the right things. You start talking the right way. You start doing the right things, right? Even if it's hard and people make fun of you, you do the right things because you know that being righteous pleases God. So that's the first clothing. Here's the second clothing, holiness. Holiness. Instead of looking at immoral things, getting involved in shameful things like unbelievers do, Okay, like your unbelieving friends, co-workers do, instead of getting involved in those things, you're different. You are set apart. Your thoughts, your words, your actions are holy, not worldly. Again, you're putting this on. You're putting on righteousness. You're putting on holiness. Why? Because that's, that's how God has created you, in the likeness of God. That is the new you. That is the new self. Here's a, here's a, I thought, um, a good way to summarize this, students. If you call yourself a Christian, okay, that means God saved you. That means he renewed your mind. He gave you a new heart. It's not hard anymore, and your behavior is different because he saved you, okay? If that's who you are this morning, you're a Christian. And if you're a Christian, you are to dress like a Christian. Dress like a Christian. And what are the, what are the two main Garments of a Christian, righteousness and holiness. That's a Christian. That's how you fulfill the new life of being in Christ. Okay? Now, if you're, if, if you're asking, okay, it, it sounds general. You know, I wish Paul would get more specific. You know, I know it's about the two... Steady steps of the Christian walk, you know, a little bit more general, talking about the mind in general, the heart in general, the behavior in general. I wish Paul would be more specific and help me in very specific struggles, very specific things that a Christian struggle was with. Well, that's for next week. Okay, look, look at what, what's ahead of us, okay, because I want you guys to buckle up. Okay, I need to buckle up. Look, look at what's ahead of us. You want specifics? Look at verse 25. Speaking the truth instead of lying. Look at verse 26. Not being angry. You want specifics? Look at verse 28. Steal no longer. Look at verse 29. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. Verse 31. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, all those things be put away. Verse 32, kindness, tender-hearted, forgiving each other. That's what you put on. So that's what's ahead of us. Okay, so we're going to crank down a lot, a lot more, and we're going to tackle those one, one sermon at a time. Okay, so we're going to talk about lying, truth-telling, anger, your speech, all those things. All right? Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for your kindness to us. Uh, by bringing us here, exposing us to your word. I pray that our minds are renewed. 
I pray that the students are helped by what we just looked at. I pray that they, they would put those things on, put off the old life. And for those who are unbelievers, I pray that they would recognize that they're still living in sin and that they would go to you seeking your help, admitting their need of Christ, and for the very first time they would be renewed and they would be made a new creation and they would be transformed and changed from the inside out. Help us to obey these things. Help us to apply these things. Uh, help the students help one another to apply these things, and I pray that we would do all of it for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.